Hey everybody, welcome to Soul Food. It's great to have you. My name is Father Ben. I'm here with Kira Roddy and Sylvia. How are you guys doing? We are great. How are you? Yeah. yeah. Praise God. I'm doing well. I dropped off. A, we have three kids at a five-day camp. Mm. So. so you got paroled. Uh, yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now okay. maybe my husband and I can actually have adult conversation uh-huh. or, or just have simple conversation at the dinner table. <laughs> yeah. You know? So we're excited. So what are you going to do with this kind of time? You know, that's how priests feel in between masses. Yeah. You know, we kind of feel like, oh my gosh, I've got like half an hour. Yeah. And then it's like, and then we get, uh, Father, can I talk to you for a minute? Which means four hours. Mm-hmm. And so like, what are you going to do with all your time? Um, try to reconnect with a couple of the other kids mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> and probably just sit in silence maybe mm-hmm. uh, pour some bourbon <laughs> and just uh, enjoy each other's company without you know having to come come up with arguments mm-hmm. or resolutions to every mm-hmm. horrible situation that arises every two seconds mm-hmm. in the house you oh. know and just kind of Kira you're so needy <laughs> Remind no. us how many kids you have. <laughs> Remind us how many kids you have. I have five kids ranging from ages 15 to three. Uh-huh. So the three who are gone are all hormonal. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> she needs yeah. the break, Father. So uh-huh. we need she the break. Needs yeah. she needs and may almighty yes. God bless you. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. I, you probably have heard me say this before, but I've said for years, this should be part of seminary training for seminarians to try to get kids mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. get them fed, get them dressed, get their teeth brushed, get to mass on time, not punch each other as they're yeah. walking into mass. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, and they're, they're gonna, they would have a whole lot more patience yeah. for kids screaming at mass yeah. if they had to do this. <laughs> yes. And so, yes. yeah. I mean, actually, it never, ever bothers me at all when kids are, are crying at mass. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. And so... Um, I will say, though, that it's nice as a parent to kind of have a breather. Yes. 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 Yeah. I had a breather last week. The kids went, uh, only the two older, went to camp Monday through Thursday. And that was great. And then they were back Friday full of energy. I thought they were going to be exhausted. All the stuff they did. And they're like, so what are we doing today? Mm. And I'm like... Nothing. We're sleeping. We're yeah, sleeping. We're not yeah. doing anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. So calm down. Yeah. <laughs> this uh-huh. is not normal as a summer. Yeah. You get to relax. This might be a good time, Kira. Have you ever made, um, have you ever, you and Derek ever made souffles? Like no. this might be a good time to try to make a souffle. Have you ever made a souffle, Sylvia? Of course not. And, and like souffles, I mean, those, those, those are very temperamental, right? I mean, mm, like. Well, not really, except okay. that you have to say nice things to them and play Mozart in the background as you're making so it. So temperamental. <laughs> yeah. So they're. You have to do that to me. Yeah. Well, they're little. <laughs> souffles are. Chefs say souffles are codependent. So basically, what you have to do. So there's three parts of a souffle, mm-hmm. okay? Okay. And there's two types of souffles. So there's savory souffles, yeah. like one could make with Gruyere cheese uh-huh. uh, or mashed potatoes. Uh-huh. Um, or there's sweet souffles. You make like raspberry souffle, chocolate souffle, Ooh, whatever. sounds good. Yeah. And so there's three parts to every souffle. So there's the base, if it's chocolate or cheese or whatever. Uh, there is the starch that holds it together. Usually, uh, usually some kind of um, like bechamel sauce or something like that. Sometimes flour mm-hmm. uh, and eggs, mm. right? So usually they separate the eggs and then they fold in the eggs so that it actually rises, okay. right? So they're a little codependent. So basically what that means is like if you make a souffle 
and you can't slam the door of the oven, mm. right? And really, if anybody from here to Japan sneezes, it's gonna fall, <laughs> okay? So, so what you have to do is you have to say, come on, girl, we can do this, uh-huh. we can do this, right? <laughs> right. That's what I say to my car every time I'm starting it, come on, girl, we can do this. Yeah. And so, um, but it might be a good time to kind of ch- check out a souffle. So what you're telling me is now that I've, I've been re- alleviated from the stress of three codependent children, <laughs> I now have to shift into the stress of a codependent yeah. food. Actually, what I'm saying is now that you've, you've dealt with codependent children, a codependent souffle will be much more easy there you go. Okay. because mm-hmm. nobody's talking perfect. back to you. All right. Perfect. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Except it just deflates. It's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're still going to eat it. Even if it deflates, you're still going to eat it, right? It's still going to taste good. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, have you guys ever, you ever had a chocolate souffle? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Well, cho- you've never had a chocolate you've souffle? You've made one. I've never had a chocolate really? souffle. Really? Okay. I've had your His but face, I've never had y'all, is like, what? Wow. <laughs> Wow. No, I've never had a chocolate souffle. Wow. Okay, so you're bringing one souffle. Wow. I mean, I watch them on cooking shows. Okay. And I watch Gordon Ramsay cuss at the, you know, chefs. (laughs) Yeah. 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 They do it wrong. Well, he does that because he works with souffles. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, That's why. The people are the food. Yeah, both. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to have to make souffles Mm -hmm. for our next bread alone cooking class. Yes. Yes. That'll be good. Um, yeah, so basically often what will happen if you if you go to a restaurant, you get, say, a chocolate or a raspberry or pistachio souffle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> pistachio is my favorite. But the, you'll get three things on the plate. So you get the souffle. Mm-hmm. You get usually a gelato next mm-hmm. to it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they give you a little pitcher full of, like, creme anglaise mm-hmm. or raspberry sauce. And what you do is you take the spoon... You take the spoon and you take the spoon and you put it right in the middle of the souffle, Mm -hmm. a little bit deflating it. Then you pour the sauce on the back of the spoon as it rolls into the souffle so that when your spoon goes into it, you get both the sauce and (gasps) the the ooey gooey goodness. That sounds Mm -hmm. amazing. Right. Everyone's salivating. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> correct. Taking a moment of silence. Right yes, now. yes. Yeah. It's really, really awesome. And I always, I, you, you guys have heard me say this before, but there's because there's three components, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of trinitarian, mm-hmm. okay? Oh, yes. And so, kind of like the, there you go. like, a, have you ever heard of mirepoix? Mirepoix, M I R E P O I X, mirepoix. So this is the foundational part of uh, most French stocks. Okay. So they, and so it's equal parts celery, carrots, onions, unless somebody lives in Louisiana. And the Trinity is equal parts celery, onions, green bell peppers. Mm. So they call it the Holy Trinity. Yes. And so. That's how I start my spaghetti gravy. When I make spaghetti gravy, oh. not sauce. Yeah. Can you just delete that part out? Can we just delete that part out? That, we will. Yeah, that's a verboten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we do. We yeah. use carrots, that, celery, and onion. Yeah. Those of you listening, you can't see, but the vein in Father Ben's forehead has gotten bigger. You cannot just stand. I can't. Yeah. It's okay. I'll be fine. The therapy will help. Gravy. Yeah. I'm Italian. It's okay. It's so. all right. And our weakness, there's strength. <laughs> Yeah, there's, um, so today we were thinking about talking about uh, some Catholic shrines, you know, in the, in the Catholic world, all throughout the world. It's one of the, that's what the word, the word Catholic means, universal, right? So all throughout the world, there are Catholic shrines, and it's one of the coolest things as a priest mm. 
mm-hmm. because we can go really anywhere in the world and there's a church or a shrine where we can celebrate mass. I mean, literally, if I'm in uh, Our Lady of Cabejo in Africa or uh, Our Lady of Knock in Ireland, um, in all of the world, mm-hmm. all of the world, you know, the Vietnamese martyrs in Vietnam, wherever you're going to go, there is a Catholic church and usually a Catholic shrine. Mm-hmm. And so, um, <clears throat> so um, maybe just, I was thinking maybe we could kind of hit the top five. Okay. And in, in case people are not. List five. Wow. Yeah. Before we hit the, yeah. the five, Father, let's just say you visited these five spots. Is there a certain um, pro- process that you do if you do want to celebrate Mass there? Um, as a priest? Um, as a priest, yeah. correct. And I have visited all five. And mm-hmm. they have. Uh, so what one does is uh, at, at some of these shrines, mm-hmm. they have so many. like liter- And I'm not exaggerating. Within an hour, there'll be 20 to 50 priests that'll show up from all around the world wanting to celebrate mass. Wow. Wow. So what a priest usually does, you get a celebret in uh-huh. Latin, a celebrant card uh-huh. from one's diocese that says you are a priest in good standing mm-hmm. um, oh. or documentation with a seal of the diocese on it. Nice. So basically saying I didn't go out and buy a collar <laughs> and showing up. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. And that way they know yeah. oh, um, okay. that, okay, this guy's like your priest legit. Pizza. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, um, uh, Fatima, Fatima, uh, which is amazing. You know, they have 5 million uh, visitors a year. Lourdes and Fatima both average about 5 million visitors a year. Wow. And um, so, as you guys know, in in the year 1917, Mm -hmm. it was a very pivotal year in the world. And so, that was, you've heard, you ever heard the book, The Hunt for Red October? Yeah. By Mm -hmm. Tom Clancy. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know where the Red October that comes from? No. It's from 1917, oh, really? so the the Bolshevik Revolution, okay. and they called the Red October for two reasons: red meaning the communists took over under Lenin, mm-hmm. and red meaning bloodshed, yeah. right? And okay. so that's where that comes from, the Red October. So in October of 1917, Tsar uh, Nicholas was killed by Lenin and the Bolshevik Revolution. Mm-hmm. That same year, Mary appeared, of course, to the three children and said that Russia will spread her heirs throughout the world, which mm-hmm. we see even today. Mm-hmm. Keeping in mind, it's not the Russians, of course, it's often the leadership. And so, um, so in, in Fatima, uh, this is, um, it, it's m- massive. Yeah. I mean, if because you're, you're about to go there. I am about to go there. You're going to be there Yay! next month? You have to uh, yep. send us a picture next so we month. can post it. Yes, yeah. I will be there next month. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. And reading a book on it right now, uh, mm. Fatima of our time. It's Father by Father Apostoli. Right oh, now. sure, so Andrew Apostoli. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to read up on it so that way when I go there, I'm really mm-hmm. nice, a little more informed of. Fantastic. We need, we need a podcast travel, Father. To I mean, visit seriously, all the man. Five. Seriously. Yeah. Is that in the budget? We yeah. need to go. Yeah. And you know what's? You know, you probably know this. Would one of the the kind of weird things and kind of cool things mm-hmm. if I can say that cool in quotes in Fatima they have a whole section there a whole section um, for the non-Catholic listeners you're going to freak out when I tell you this but they're, they have a whole section there for people like if I have a broken arm uh-huh. oh, um, and, I'm, and I'm having arm problems you can buy a wax arm that's a candle <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> yeah. If you have if you have a broken leg, and you're or you're you and can't it, walk, you can buy a wax leg 
Okay. And and, and, and burn bl- it. Like bless is burn it. Do you bless it or is it blessed already? It's, it, or is it just I don't know if they're blessed. But, but or you or can do actually, you place it there? You place it there. Okay, there you go. So if oh. you I mean, I know this sounds crazy. If you have liver failure, you can buy a, wa- a wax liver. Oh, that is like, awesome. like does it have a wick in it? And yeah. You bur- yeah. And, oh, you, yeah. You, and you just you place it up at you place it in there. and then you just yeah. burn that yeah. and heal my liver. Yeah. And I, first time I wow. saw this, I was like Okay, it is no wonder people think Catholics are crazy. <laughs> okay, I mean this is amazing, and so when you see it, it's yeah. Okay, yeah. Take a picture. Okay. Take a picture. Totally. Yeah, Fatima is amazing, and many of you know that, of course, on May thirteenth, nineteen eighty-one, John Paul II was shot on the feast of Our Lady of Fatima, mm-hmm. and then he went back one year later on the to Fatima on the feast of Our Lady of Fatima and put the bullet that entered his body into the crown of Our Lady of Fatima, where it is now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Fatima is amazing. Uh, Five million circa visitors. Lourdes, that that was a big deal because, um, as you guys know, in 1858, Mary appeared to St. Bernadette of Subaru. Mm -hmm. And and that was a big deal because... um, they, she said, uh, I am the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. Why is that important for us? We're like, well, duh. But four years before that, in 1854, mm-hmm. um, the Pope at the time, who was the longest serving Pope we've had after St. Peter, uh, Blessed Pius IX, he said, um, he's, he declared Mary as the Immaculate Conception. Yeah. So when she appeared four years after that, she was reaffirming what the Pope said mm-hmm. four years prior. Okay, and so Lourdes, I would say given the two, I prefer Lourdes personally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more of an old school feel yeah. than, than Fatima. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they, but they also have 5 million visitors. And Lourdes, they do this uh, candlelight procession mm-hmm. every night, which is incredible. Every night? Every night. There's a, I think there's like, if I'm not mistaken, some people can correct me on this, but I think there's like two or three months throughout the year where they don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they have it every night, and they do it in multiple, like like 20 languages every night. Mm-hmm. And That's so beautiful. it is so beautiful. Like they'll do five Hail Marys of a rosary mm-hmm. in la- one language and switch. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so um, it's really it's really amazing. Yeah. And I know too that one. I mean, which, which for a peasant girl, she would not have known what the Immaculate Conception was because she was completely, you know, mm-hmm. just she was a little peasant girl. Yeah. Uh, Saint Bernadette. I, I think it's interesting that there are all these massive threats in the in the areas in which some of these apparitions have happened, and yeah. uh, and then but she still she appears and provides hope in such a way that people still go to this day yeah yeah indeed i mean it's it's really fascinating i mean it's it gives one a deep sense of catholicity even for people that aren't catholic Mm -hmm. i was encouraged i always encourage them to go and experience it Mm -hmm. and be present Mm -hmm. and um and it really is such a beautiful experience i mean uh then there's of course saint peter's basilica Mm -hmm. and um i mean that was as you guys know now St. Peter's Basilica, um, they have uh, about 10 million circa visitors. Wow. I'm about to go there too. Uh, oh, are you? When are you going there? I am. That's the. That's our first stop. Oh, is it? Is okay. Rome. Have you told your boss about all this? Uh? 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm just checking. I was I just know. thinking today. How really yeah, big is your luggage yeah, door yeah. fit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So Hopefully, your boss is not listening. Yeah, we're going to Rome and Fatima and then Lisbon. Oh, that's so great, man! That's wonderful. Yeah. Have some gelato for us. Yeah, yeah. I am going to pick your brain on what kind of foods I have and where. It's worth it. I say in Spanish, "Vale la pena." It's worth it. So, yeah. t- the ten million people that go there, um, obviously, it's it's more of I guess access. Is it more accessible than Lourdes and Fatima, or is it kind of the same? It's more it's more of a city it's bigger it's um is it a lot of catholics or non-catholics go as well both both, both yeah and and uh yeah it's i would I, yeah i would say in my opinion it's mm-hmm. more accessible yeah um just because uh, people fly into a uh, uh, fiumicino leonardo da vinci airport there's two airports champino and leonardo da vinci airport in rome and so it's pretty accessible yeah. and it's about um it's about a $50 taxi ride from uh, the airport to the Vatican. Mm. And so, I mean, in, in, in 1509, that's when they first started building St. Mm-hmm. Peter's Basilica. It took 125 oh, wow. years. Jeez. And, you know, they have over 90 popes buried in the crypt. Wow. With several up, up in the main nave, including mm-hmm. St. John the 23rd and St. John Paul II. And but they have ninety popes buried there, wow. including Saint Peter. Saint Peter, yep, mm-hmm. yep. And um, and so it's pretty amazing. So the the man who laid the cornerstone, Pope Julius II, um, he was the one. If you've ever seen this movie called The Agony and the Ecstasy, it's about Michelangelo and the Pope, Rex Harrison and good? Charleston Heston. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. But it talks about the whole process of. The Sistine Chapel and everything, um, but uh, yeah, that one. I mean, that's it's really. I mean, it's it's the largest church in the world. Yeah, it's the largest church in the world. I mean, it's amazing. The doors on the front are over a hundred feet high, and so now I bet that's not as easy to uh, say mass there, correct? Than other places, or is it? You can, yeah, you can, and uh, but you have to let them know ahead of time. Okay. And I, I would say it. They recently changed the rules not long ago, so it was, used to be easier. Uh-huh. But it's it's um, it takes a little bit of uh, finagling sometimes. Yeah. Now, what is worth it uh, if one gets the chance to to go to um, do what's called the Scavi tour? S C A-V-I, Scavi tour, where one goes, so there's St. Peter's, Mm -hmm. the main church, underneath that is the crypt, and then Mm -hmm. underneath that Mm -hmm. is the uh, the Tufa rock, which is where, that's where you can get literally uh, a couple feet away from the tomb of St. Peter. Wow. wow. And so this was the original, where in the the first century Christians, where they built the Mm -hmm. church on the hill Vaticanos, next to the Tiber River. You can go right next, literally a couple feet from St. Peter. And so the Scavi tour is really, it's worth it. Wow. Yeah, we did the opposite. We went up. <laughs> oh, yeah. We went up in the dome, and that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like you, get to, you get to the top of this dome, and you think, oh, my gosh, they're going to have Eucharistic adoration, <laughs> and there's a gift shop. Yeah, right. Right. right leave it up to the <laughs> Catholics, <do>. right? <laughs> you <laughs> know? Yeah. yeah. I bought stuff up there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I wish, kind of wish they'd have gelato up there myself. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. After all those stuff, taking I mean, a tour, seriously. just eating the best gelato yeah. ever. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's. Um, and then of course uh, we have Our Lady Guadalupe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
which is the largest, um, most visited Catholic shrine in the world. Mm-hmm. So 50 million wow. visitors a year to Our Lady Guadalupe, which makes sense, right? I mean, they're in a city of 20 million people. It's the yeah. second largest after Tokyo. And so um, actually it's 22 million people mm. there. And so Sao Paulo has 20. So 22 million, and it's the largest Catholic diocese in the world, Mexico City. Wow. And um, so it's pretty amazing. And that's, um, of course, built on the Hill Tepeyac, where the Blessed Mother appeared, and uh, to Juan Diego in the 16th century. And um, it's, it is incredible. Because yeah. you've been there, Sylvia? I have not. Okay. Mm-hmm. My parents have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a beautiful experience, um, not only, uh, tur- I guess, in a tourist uh, wise position, but uh, faith wise, just for yourself, and then seeing others, mm-hmm. it really changes you. And you by seeing the faith, I mean, you see people in their knees from the outside yeah. of the chapel all the way in in their knees because they made a promise to Our Lady, and it's just incredible. Yeah, and they will walk like five miles mm-hmm. on their knees. Wow. Yeah. And I know I, I complain if I get out of bed and I have to make some paints. <laughs> These people are walking yeah. five miles on their knees. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. It's, it's incredible. The, and a lot of, uh, not a lot of people know, but um, there's also a smaller, um, I guess, shrine, which is the exact place where she appeared that is not the big mm-hmm. um i guess the tourism mm-hmm. place and it's behind it and i think you walk or it's a, like in a different i don't know father have you you've been before yeah okay i think there's like a different location where you walk a little bit in the back and that's the exact spot and then the, they built a bigger that's church. right mm-hmm. that's exactly right and then they have a third which okay. is the ha- the home of juan diego oh, okay. where he lived and then yeah. they have a fourth mm-hmm which is where they, when people come, and they say in Spanish, they're, they're making a juramento. Yes. So they're making a promise for, for sobriety or a promise of some sorts. What, you know, so they go to that little church, mm-hmm. which is a, a smaller chapel. Mm-hmm. And um, so, our, yeah, Our Lady of Guadalupe was, uh, we, one can see, when you, when you go in front of the tilma, um, uh, the, the original tilma, Right, and that uh, the Blessed Mother gave to Juan Diego that he brought to the Bishop Zumarraga mm-hmm. in the 16th century. You stand on a conveyor belt, so mm-hmm. otherwise people would stand in gawk for yeah. hours, and mm-hmm. you got to keep on moving. So you you stand on the conveyor belt, and they gradually move you, and then mm-hmm. you have to like chop chop other people coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is really it's really powerful. And they have masses going constantly, almost 24 hours a day there. I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah, and it's really interesting to study Our Lady of Guadalupe if you ever get the chance, because every single thing about that apparition has meaning. Um, that image, yeah, everything yeah. Mm-hmm. has has meaning. And the and and again, going back to when Mary appeared, how she appeared at kind of these crucial moments. It mm-hmm. was during the time of the Protestant Reformation, mm-hmm. where about nine million Catholics were leaving the church over in Europe and she appeared over in, you know, over there in Mexico and mm-hmm. nine million Catholics rose up. So uh, it's yeah. very beautiful. It is, yeah. it, it is amazing, you know, and then <clears throat> the, um, one of the other beautiful shrines that a lot of Americans forget about is a divine mercy. 
in Poland. Mm-hmm. And um, the, that's where St. Faustina Kowalska is buried. Yes. She was the first saint canonized in this millennium by Pope John Paul II mm-hmm. in April of 2000. So she's buried there. Um, and actually, that is very, very close to a new church that was built in honor of John Paul II mm-hmm. by John Paul II's um, former secretary, Cardinal Stanislaw Jeevish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm who built it and if one goes to this I mean it's brand new basilica Wow, it's brand new beautiful 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 uh, church and they have the white cassock that John Paul II was wearing when he was shot Wow! so it's entombed in glass you can walk all around it and I mean of course as one can imagine there's blood stains all over it right Um, and so the and then the uh, the sash that John Paul was wearing when he was shot, I believe, is in the shrine of Our Lady of Chestahova and the Black Madonna. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's there, but the cassock itself is in the new the new basilica, mm-hmm. um, and it's also right next to Auschwitz, which I think is a very spiritual oh, that's uh, interesting. Uh, uh, experience. I always encourage people if you can visit yeah. Auschwitz. Um, because you you have a deep connection with with those who yeah. who died there, right? Yeah. And um, Father, and w- out of the top five that we mentioned today, if you had to pick one, what would be your favorite, or what has impacted you the most? Which one? I would say uh, I, I'm most frequent Lords. Uh-huh. I think I've been there six or seven times. Um, but uh, the the Shrine of Divine Mercy yeah. is really powerful. Mm. And there's yeah. others that we didn't talk about, like Our, our Lady of Knock, for instance, mm-hmm. Our Lady of uh, Cabejo, but um, uh, Our Lady of Levong in Vietnam. Um, but yeah, I would say the, yeah. the one, the, if one gets the chance to visit Poland, yeah. it is really very, very powerful because the po- part of it is the Polish people, similar to the Ukrainians, what's going on now. Mm-hmm. They've gone through so much persecution, and that's one of the very reasons Poland has responded in spades to help the Ukrainian people mm-hmm. because they know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Cool stuff. Yeah. I love being Catholic. Yeah. I know. It's, cool. <laughs> it's, so cool. it's awesome. <laughs> Be Catholic. <It's> so <laughs> well, listen, don't forget to put soul in your food and give food to your soul.